I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Connor Report wherever you get your podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, you know the deal. Like button, subscribe button. If you want to find us on YouTube, go to Empire Media, A-M-P-I-R-E. We know you have a choice of what you want to listen to, what you want to watch. So we always appreciate you tuning in to this show. Today, I'll be joined by ESPN's Tim McManus as we dive into Sunday's matchup with the Philadelphia Eagles. Tim does a great job covering the Eagles for ESPN. He has a story up now on ESPN.com, digging into the 2020 situation with Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz, how Jalen Hurts won over the locker room. He'll also tell you in a few minutes that Carson Wentz has remained close to some of the players in that locker room. So it's not like there was this massive, massive divide, perhaps with some players, but not certainly not with all. And he still has some guys on that team that he is tight with including guys like Lane Johnson, Fletcher Cox, people like that, Miles Sanders. So there are still some Wentz guys in that locker room. So it'll make Sunday very interesting. But anyways, give it a read on ESPN.com. Tim does a great job for us. Before I get into the conversation with Tim and we dig into the Wentz, we talk about why the Eagles are so good. Jalen Hurts, his improvement, what they've seen, what he is, what Tim has seen from him. I do want to get into a couple of topics that involve Washington starting with safety Derek Forrest. As you recall, after the game, there was a bit of a stir because of a quote from Forrest about the scheme. So the question after the game was, what happened in the first half, especially with the defense, but overall, what happened in the first half? And he said it was a scheme. It seemed like the Lions knew what they were in. It was great play calling. Obviously, when you say something like that, People are going to sit, look at it and say, oh, he's knocking the coaches, Jack Del Rio, the defensive staff, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That did cause a little bit of a stir internally. However, they, after talking to Forrest, the coach decided it was just a basically, um, I wouldn't say a rookie mistake because he's not a rookie, but a young guy mistake to say what he did. And Forrest said he wasn't talking about Washington's coaches. He was talking, what he told people internally was he was simply trying to give the Lions credit for what they did. And it's something that he told myself and Nikki Javala of the Washington Post on Wednesday in the locker room, because both of us wanted to circle back to him and say, what exactly did you mean by when you say the scheme? Now, you can also argue, if you say that they know what you were in, well, clearly that's a little bit of a directive at your own scheme, because they, you know, that's what you're talking about. But if you know Forrest, and I think those who know him in there especially were surprised at what he said because he said it was out of character for him to say something like that. He's not a DJ Swearinger type, even though he does know Swearinger. That's not how that's not his style. He's not anything like him. And I think the coach is worried, like, are we now going to have to worry about this guy? And the answer after talking to him was, no, they don't. So crisis averted. There was no crisis. But if you were wondering about would that cause some issues, it hasn't. And I think what 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 Forrest learned is that after a game, he's got to take a deep breath 
before he talks to the media, that's us, before he talks to us, that he's got to do maybe kind of calm down and think about first what he wants to say and how he's going to say it. So Forrest, I think, will still play a, will play a big role here, and he's going to be dealing with more and more media because I think the kid's a pretty good player, and he'll get asked more questions. So there you go, crisis averted. On to the next topic, Carson Wentz. Through two games, Wentz has been pretty good for Washington, very good for Washington at times especially. One of the things that the coaches have been very pleased with with Wentz is his decision-making. That's something they have harped on since he got here, that it's okay to check a pass down. It's okay to throw the ball away and live to play another down. We saw examples of that on Sunday. There was one pass where he checked it down to Antonio Gibson, where I remember even stopping the game, the film or the, the game and saying, okay, if he waits another split second, he's got Jahan Dotson breaking over on an in route about 15 yards downfield. He would have been open. He's behind the linebackers, enough room to get it there. But Wentz wasn't, but Wentz got the ball down to Antonio Gibson. I want to say they gained about eight yards in the play. And so while he could have had more, he got the rid of the ball to avoid a potentially bad, maybe, a, maybe in his mind, maybe a worse play if, if it's a sack or there's pressure or whatever, but, it, but he got yards. And so I think that's something that they liked. And then there was also a play in the red zone. And I talked about this with Bram on the live podcast on Tuesday night, that there was a play in the red zone where, again, bootleg action, roll out to the right. Looks like Dotson could be open. If you wanted to force it to him, you probably could. And a, a really good throw would have completed a ball, probably gets a first down. But you're not sure, right? So what Wentz did, he threw the ball out of bounds. There was nobody else open. Rather than risking anything, he threw it out of bounds a good decision, and then they end up scoring a touchdown on that drive. So those are the kind of things that they like to see. The interceptions, they don't attribute those to bad decision-making as much as an overthrow against against to Logan Thomas, a ball that was maybe six or seven inches a bit too high. That's the difference. You know, the first one against the Jags, it was more about being late on the throw, although if you're, as Rivera, Ron Rivera said after the game, if you're going to be a little bit late, that if you know you're li- if you've hitched, then get to another guy. But the decision to make the initial throw was the accurate one because that was going to be open. He was just late in the play, and then Trayvon Walker makes a phenomenal play on the screen pass. And you know, could he have thrown it at the dirt? Sure, but it was still a phenomenal play by Walker. And the play kind of looked ugly from the start from Washington's end. Anyway, they've been pleased with his decision making, and they need that to continue. Because if the defense is going to continue to have give up all these big plays, they're going to have to be very solid and efficient on offense and take advantage of the playmakers they have. And a lot of that will start and end with Carson Wentz's decision-making. Now, the other thing that was good news for Washington is Cam Curl being cleared to return to practice. And we saw him out there on Wednesday. He was catching football, something he wasn't doing last week. That's a good sign. I do expect him to play on Sunday against the Eagles, probably get he'll get fitted for some sort of special splint for his thumb. And this gives Washington some more defensive flexibility. So now they can go to different packages, and they've used them before, but now you're doing it with, with your premium personnel. So you can play that big nickel, the big nickel package, but now it's with Cam curled down in the box instead of a Percy Butler or even Forrest. So you could have Forrest and Bobby McCain deep and put curl up in the box. It gives you another option. So if you want to do something like we talked about last week, the linebacker rotation with Jamin Davis, it gives you the ability to do that if you wanted to go to a 5-1 look with five defensive backs 
Now you can do that. Even a four, two look with five D backs, you can do that with curl. So it gives them more flexibility and options. They do need to get Casey Tuhill back. He's still in the concussion protocol. Don't know what his status is going to be for Sunday. That's a guy that they like because they feel like he's a bit twitchier than the other backup ends. And it gives them the ability to have someone drop when they're using that five-man front. Essentially, think of it like more like a three-four look, but with five down linemen. And you're going to have you, you're going to probably drop one of those ends. And they like doing that with two hill, but we don't know his status yet. But the good news for Washington is that Curl will be back. Daniel Wise has a high ankle sprain. The severity isn't bad. So sometimes you get those high ankle sprains. It could be six to eight weeks. This one sounds like it at most it would be a few weeks, but we don't know the, the extent of it yet. It's just that they're going to call him day to day. Um, but again, it's a high ankle sprain, but it's not a severe one. So that's good news for Wise and Washington that he won't be out in a really long time, but he probably will miss a, a few weeks. And then finally on center, Chase Ruye. Obviously, you know this by now that the fear is that he's all out for the season with the knee injury. He's going to get a second opinion, but right now there's a lot of swelling in his knee. So they're waiting for the swelling to go down to go get that second opinion. There's, I would say there's, they're hoping that what they'll hear is he won't need surgery but the fear is that he will. So now you're all caught up with all that. That's the news for now. Let's get to my conversation with ESPN's Tim McManus as we dive into the Commanders-Eagles matchup. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers could bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. And if that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. With payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code KIME, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Tim, after two weeks, the Eagles look like they're going to go 17-0. Is that, do you feel safe in saying that right now? 
Yeah, people on, are already putting their chairs along uh, in uh, Broad Street down in South Philly, getting ready for the parade here, John. <laughs> the, uh, the people are psyched, man. Uh, it was It's about as good of a start as you could ask for. Really, the second game being the capper of that because they give up 35 points to the Detroit Lions. But the offense has been uh, really, really good. The quarterback uh, has been leading the charge there. That was the biggest question coming to the season. At least the early returns have been very positive on that front. And so people are extremely excited in Philadelphia heading into this matchup. You might see a few Eagles fans down there at FedEx Field this weekend. I've, I've heard it sounds like they're going to send some buses down here with a bunch of Eagles fans in them, too. So um, I'm guessing there will be a lot of Eagles fans there. What's the difference in Jalen Hurts this season? Well, I mean, passing, I would say, is really where the, the big tick has gone up. And you saw that especially on Monday night against Minnesota, where he completes 84% of his passes. And a lot of these throws were, it had to be on time and on point with converging defenders, like three of them surrounding the, the receiver, like 20, 25 yards downfield in some instances. And it just had to be a dart that got there really on point. And he, he was making those like really all night. That's always been the question about Hertz is we obviously know that he's a, an extraordinary playmaker. Uh, he's dynamic, but can he function within the offensive system consistently? So it's not more of like a roller coaster. Like sometimes passing the game looks good. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's dependent on him stretching it on the outside and creating with his legs. But can he function kind of in the pocket at a high level? If the answer was yes, then the Eagles really have something because everything else is there. The intangibles, the whole bit. And he's been showing signs that that he's capable of that. The you know it's sec his first time in a system for a second consecutive year since high school when his dad was his coach. So you can tell that the familiarity with the system is really helping him. His accuracy and the fundamentals that he worked on uh, with some QB gurus in Southern California seem to have paid off. And uh, yeah, he's at least for right now he's flying pretty high. It is is that when because you know we always hear things in the off season about how a guy looks and all that. Has it been have was there a noticeable difference in him and what you heard from others in the organization about him when he came back for spring and summer workouts? Yeah, I mean, their coach, Nick Sirianni, basically said that starting in the spring that he noticed uh, uh, an uptick in the accuracy from Hertz. It wasn't always like super noticeable during preseason. Uh, and, you know, they didn't play in the preseason, but in training camp practices, uh, but to the coach's more trained eye, you know, they kept coming back and saying that they're seeing something different. And I think a large part of what maybe some of our observers were missing that the coaches were seeing was just kind of the pace of it, knowing where he was supposed to go with the football and him consistently going to the right places with it. And that, you know, that that has shown up now that they're in game action. How much when you watch him, because like, I, you know, I was able to watch the Lions game. I haven't been able, I watched the Vikings game, but not you know, anything more than just watching it. And but when you watch the Lions game too, like there are times where he still bails them out with his legs. How much does that threat, when you watch the defenses the first two weeks, the threat of those legs and his ability to run open up that pass for him and the, the, the in the offense? Well, yeah, sure. I mean, he's, if he has the passing part going, he's very difficult, almost impossible to right. stop because he has both of those elements. And what was really interesting, John, about the, respective defensive approaches from the first two games is in game one against Detroit they blitzed them 15 times that was the the second highest week one behind only Patrick Mahomes and you know with the free guy coming loose he would just basically skirt out of the way 
and and rip off big chunks of yardage with his feet. That was a big part of what that right. offense was. It was helter skelter, you know, guys flying into the backfield. He's like, no problem. I'll sidestep you. I'll, I'll run for a first down and, and keep the chains moving. And the second game against Minnesota, much different. They're playing more of like a shell coverage. They didn't bring the heat nearly as much. They're like, beat me as a passer. And he said, okay, and he did it. Uh, so that's like you've seen both sample sizes now. Uh, and that was the big question for me is like when defenses are playing back, it's more of a must rush. They're playing and like to force you to to throw to beat them. Can he do it? And at least for that night, he did. How much difference has A.J. Brown made? It's huge. It's huge. It's uh, it's his best friend. He's got that comfort level. And, you know, besides all that stuff, he's just a really good wide receiver. Yeah. At the, and you saw that just from the jump. Like one of the strengths of Brown is operating over the middle run after the catch that works really well with the RPO system that, that Nick Sirianni has in place here. So when Hertz is going through his reads, if he decides that, okay, the defender's biting on the run, I'm going to pick and I'm going to pop. And there's A.J. Brown to do the rest of the work for you. Now, uh, that's been really good. The trust has been evident. He had targeted him 13 times in the opener, caught 10 of them for 155. And in, in, the, in the second week, there was more like bracket coverage on him, it looked like. It seemed like there was more double teams. A.J. Brown said that he was largely a decoy in that game, and Hurts spread it around to everybody else. So, yeah, uh, having having a premium wide receiver, you know, pays dividends, especially for a young quarterback like Hurts. And you know the one thing I noticed with Brown too, when you watch him, he gets off, he gets open quick at the line, which is going to help that RPO game. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. He's got like all these like sneaky skill sets too, uh, like late hands or something that he's right. He's really flashed and shown where the defender you're going downfield and and they don't know the ball's coming because he's waiting to the very last second to put him out. So even though you know, he's been around in the league for a handful of years, but he's still really young, 25. But he, he has like this savvy uh, skill set, you know, that that really helps the offense out. And then because then you go over to then you have Devontae Smith and Quez Watkins, too, a fast guy, as we've, we've seen. How what what how good is are those two? I mean, and obviously we saw Devontae last year, but what's his progression been like and how much is Watkins at? Yeah, so the uh, the sky's falling bit was happening a little bit on the Devontae front from week one because he had zero catches on right. four targets. And then when you have Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown, his best friends, you know, he's targeting his guy the whole time. It's like, all right, uh, what's what's going to happen here? But he also has a very strong relationship with Devontae, and they were very intentional in getting Devontae going last week. Very first play, they just throw that, that quick pop out and he's able to gain a few yards and get some momentum going but he's a he's a very polished route runner uh total professional silky smooth uh like a nice 1a to have with brown as a one and then quez watkins is more of the burner he's the guy that can get downfield uh he's usually the fastest guy on the field and you saw he sprung wide open against minnesota gets that big 50 plus yard uh, touchdown reception on the other end from Hertz. And so it's, yeah, I mean, it's the, uh, it's the best wide receiver group that they've had in Philadelphia in a long time. And, you know, and that's coupled with a good offensive line, good tight end, Miles Sanders, a versatile back. What, where, if you said, okay, this is what can stop the offense. Is it just Hertz's inaccuracy? If that develops, it, would that be the, the thing that you say is the kryptonite or is there something else you look at and say, well, this is the other question I have about this offense. There's not many questions on offense, honestly. I mean, yes, it's it's hurts. Can he can he maintain 
that level, high level of play that he's shown in the first two weeks? If the answer is yes, I mean, this offense is going to be awesome. It really is. Uh, you know, injuries obviously is always the the one that you go to. Uh, there's some positions that are weaker than others, like Dallas Goddard, um, you know, is far and away their, their top guy. And then I'm not sure what it would look like if he were to go down. And so he's he's a critical component now. Like he's got to stay healthy and be productive for them. But uh, yeah, other than that, John, I mean, it's it's a uh, it's it's a rock solid group. It looks like and defensively, Darius Slay with a huge game the other night. Very good corner. Um, the defense gives up 35 in that first game. Where is the defense at at this point? I know it's funny because I know reading the clippings in Philly, one week it's fire the coordinator. The next week, it's a parade for John Jonathan Gannon. Yeah, well, not quite parade yet. Uh, you know, yeah. the Philly fans. He's been, um, you know, he's been a uh, a target of their ire for the last year plus. And part of it's just philosophical. Like Philadelphia is a very much Buddy Ryan, you know, right. constantly attack the quarterback type of mode. Like if you blitz in this town, even if you give up fifty points, I feel like you know they're still gonna be like, all right, well at least you blitzed, right? <laughs> um, Gannon's not really big into that. Uh, he's he's more of the philosophy of keep the big play off of us. And if we win the big play battle, then we're probably going to win the game. So a lot of times you see the safeties playing off. You know, the cornerbacks will be giving the wide receivers some coverage. He doesn't like to throw kitchen sinks at quarterbacks because he doesn't want to leave the back end exposed, like that kind of thing. And so he did it to the extreme in his first year, and it was, you know, really ugly results. They gave up 70% completion percentage to quarterbacks on average in, in year one. It was the worst in the league. They were second worst in sacks, second fewest blitzes. But we saw a little bit of a change against Minnesota where he was dialing up some more creative blitzes. He upped the number of them. Week one, he had six. Week two, he had 10. So he's throwing a little bit more pressure at him. And then you saw these very good corners and Darius Slay and James Bradbury actually challenging the wide right. receivers. Uh, a very good group of, of wide receivers that Minnesota has clearly. Uh, and they were able to challenge them and have some good success with them. And so, yes, the the heat is off Gannon after that performance, but it's like, it's a click away, man. Like they're, they're ready to turn it back up. If he, if he goes the other way. Do you like the talent on D? I do. I do. Um, yeah. So best linebacker core they've had in, in some time. TJ Edwards is uh, underrated. Very good. They brought in Kaiser white. I mean, that's been a, a nice one too. Their cornerback group is, is very good. Um, their safety entered uh, entering the season was the biggest question mark, uh, but they brought in Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who's acclimating to the position. He's he's kind of a ball hawk playmaker. They feel pretty good about him next to Marcus Epps. And then the defensive line is, um, you know, was supposed to be a giant strength. And let's kind of wait to see if that turns out to be the case. Like, Everybody expects like this certain like super high level from Fletcher Cox. Right. Maybe we need to like kind of put it down here now. Still a good player, but maybe not as dominant of, of a game wrecker as he used to be. Uh, but they brought in Jordan Davis, first round pick out of Georgia. He does a lot of nice things of, of bottling up stuff with the, the run game. Um, yeah. And Hassan Reddick coming off the edge hasn't been all that productive yet, but you know, he's had double digit sacks the past two years. So, yeah, generally speaking, I think the talent on defense is pretty good. And, and now Gannon has to figure out a way to maximize it. So let's spend the last few minutes talking about a guy that you're familiar with, Carson Wentz. Off to a good start here. What what do you think it's going to be like for that team? And I know like he's going to say it's another game. And that's what he said. What do you think it's going to be like for them to face him? Well, there's familiarity there. Uh, you know, I was going through the locker room yesterday and a guy like Fletcher Cox, he said that he had just gotten off the phone with him, you know, 
earlier that week. Uh, Lane Johnson said he talked to him just a couple weeks ago, keeps in, in regular contact with him. I uh, talked to Miles Sanders. He's like, you know, Carson's still my guy. Um, you know, so he's got allies uh, in that building. We also know that it was, you know, there was tumultuous parts yeah. to his time in Philadelphia as well. I don't really get the sense that it's like, we're going to go get Carson this week. Like, that's not the vibe uh, in Philly's locker room at all. But I did talk to Sirianni about uh, the familiarity part, and he said, I'm leaving no stone unturned. Um, there's a lot of resources in the building this week uh, who know him very well uh, and are giving the coaches everything they need uh, to to expose uh, Wentz's vulnerabilities, uh, you know, explain what his strengths are and uh, try to formulate the best game plan for him. So, you know, there's always a little extra juice. I mean, you got Hertz versus Wentz the first right. time. Fans are definitely going to be chewing that up, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely some juice to this game. And, and uh, you know, Wentz is a, is a big part of that. He's he's a big part of the the story of the Philadelphia Eagles. And, he is. and, and you know, the one thing, too, and we talked about this before we started recording, but, like, here, he's, a, he's been off to a good start. I mean, there's – like, Carson Wentz has looked good for them. Would you be surprised if he goes out and has a good year? I mean, he's had him before. I think that – He's off to a really good start and will probably end up statistically, you know, he keeps on this pace. What he's, he's tied for the lead in touchdowns right now. He's yeah. second in, in total yards. And so, yeah, that's, I think that's encouraging. You know, the other kind of snippets that I've seen are those moments where he's holding onto the ball for a half second too long. And like, there's a defender like bearing down on his back and he's still hanging in there. And those are the moments that will go South for him at times this year, like prepare for it. There's going to be, that's that's his game. We haven't seen a lot of evidence that it's it's changing to this point where he likes to hang in and try to make the big play. And oftentimes that works out for you. But when you go over a course of 17 games, you're going to see those ugly moments just from the little bit that I've been able to watch them. Like those ugly moments were like this close from from happening. And so there'll be those weeks, uh, you know, so I think Washington needs to kind of brace for that. But when we're talking about like big picture uh, quality of quarterback play across the NFL and where Wentz fits into that. Like he can still play at a pretty high level. And there's, yeah. there's weeks where he's going to look like a, you know, a top 10 QB. Like he has that in his, in his body. Uh, so, so you're going to see a lot of that. You're going to see some, some down moments. It's going to be a roller coaster. So don't get too comfortable with the highs, but, uh, but yeah, overall, I think he can, he can uh, do some good things for you guys. Last thing, what was it? What was the relationship like with he and Hertz when, when during that 2020 season? Yeah. Um, so the way that Hertz is, and I got this story from one of his uh, his former and, uh, and just to, quarter- just not to interrupt you, but just so people know, Tim just wrote a story basically in take going inside all of this on ESPN.com. So give it a read. Apologize. Yeah, Keep going. Just posted. So yeah, give that give that a read. But yeah, so so Josh Pallett was a fellow quarterback at Alabama when Hertz came in at, at 17 years old and Alabama hadn't had a freshman start at quarterback since 1984 before Hertz got there. But Hertz came in with this like swagger about him where he was already acting like he was the starter before he was a starter when he was a 17 year old kid uh, that rubbed people um, in the quarterback room the wrong way because he was like carrying himself that way, not in a disrespectful way, but, but he just wasn't going to acquiesce. Right. Like to be the backup. I think that that's a very similar thing that unfolded in Philadelphia, where he comes in and his mission wasn't to be boys with Carson or boys with Nate Sudfeld. 
His mission was to win that job. And so that didn't mean that he wasn't a pro. Like he, you know, helped out Wentz wherever he could and was professional in the way that he approached things. But it was the same thing. Like he wasn't going to be a part of the of the that QB fraternity. He was going to work very hard uh, to get um, the backing of the rest of the group, like to make relationships, to strengthen that. So when it was his time, they would be backing him up and he would be ready in that respect. And so you can imagine what that would look like. You like Wentz. Um, who had already gone through his own sort of thing, obviously with, with Nick Foles and had just gotten back to the center of the circle. And then here comes Hertz, a second round pick with like a ton of, a ton of juice to him. Um, so it, so I wouldn't say they were tight. Like I rarely saw them interact uh, on the field. It just wasn't like that. Uh, but they talked this week, uh, Hertz talked this week about a mutual respect that he had for Wentz. When I kind of went through the locker room and asked teammates, they're like, people, portrayed it like there was a beef between those guys there wasn't a beef like when when Wentz got benched he helped out Jalen when Jalen was the number two he helped out Carson um but because of it was two alphas going for the same thing you know it wasn't like they were super tight right and that's a big thing with Carson is a type a type personality he admits that and he's highly highly competitive and you're in that situation you are concerned about I've got to keep and keep this job win this job and you do whatever that goes along with that. So Tim, I appreciate your insight and look forward to seeing you on Sunday and should be a fun game if nothing else. So always is, it's always interesting when these teams play. So look forward to that. Thanks a lot, Tim. It'll be like Christmas, a nice mix of red and green down there. (laughs) There you go. Thanks a lot, man. See you, bud. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Tim for joining me. And remember to check him out on ESPN.com where you can read my stuff as well, of course. And I have a story up on Carson Wentz now facing the Eagles as well as a timeline. that This will be a Friday, a timeline of his, of his days in Philadelphia and why it was such a wild ride. So there you go. I'll be back on Friday with my predictions and keys to the game. Talk to you next time.